Uh, obviously, if you were not picking up on a theme yet this morning, we're talking about friendship today. We're talking specifically about relationships and how important relationships are. So as, uh, as we're beginning worship this morning, I want to invite you to think about someone in your life who has been an important spiritual influence. Who in your life has been an important spiritual influence? I can tell, I mean, I have, I have a lot of them, but one specifically that came to mind when I was uh, writing this message is uh, one of my college professors, a man named Dr. Rodney Reeves. Uh, he taught New Testament, and so I had a lot of, I basically got a New Testament theology degree, so I had a whole lot of classes with him, and he was, he was incredibly kind and wise. He had this amazing superpower of rephrasing dumb questions to sound like brilliant questions. Uh, so someone, never me, I promise, uh, would raise their hand and ask just, I mean, like a really dumb question, right? And he would get this look on his face, and he would say, so uh, if I'm hearing you right, what you're asking is, and then he would rephrase it in a way that it was obviously basically the same thing that they had asked, but 50 million times smarter, right? It was just, it was incredible. So I remember one day in particular, we were in a New Testament class, and we were studying, uh, we were studying what some different, uh, you know, a breadth of scholars said on something. So we were looking at conservative scholars, and we were looking at liberal scholars, and we were in a, a very conservative uh, private Christian university, and so all of us were, were pretty conservative in the way we read scripture and understand who God is and all that, and we were laughing at this one liberal scholar who had this wacky out there idea. We're just like, <laughs> can you even believe that they would believe something so dumb? I mean, how dumb can you get? Ha, ha, ha. You know, all feeling very wise at 20 years old about how we had had the world figured out, and you know, and I, I remember Dr. Reeves got this really, like, kind of sad look on his face, and he got really quiet, and he looked at us, and he said, you know, those uh, quote-unquote liberal scholars that you're making fun of know the Bible better than you do. Like, you know that, right? Like, they can read it in Greek. And, and you should probably just be a little bit more careful about how you dismiss people that disagree with you. And, you know, we all sort of rock back in our chairs. And I don't know about for anyone else in the class, because, like, we never talked about that shameful moment again. But for me, that was a huge turning point in how I approach people who disagree with me. Like, and, and I'm ashamed to say this, but you know, at 20 or 21 or however old I was in that class, it was the first time that I honestly had considered that someone who didn't see the world the way that I did had really good reasons for the way that they saw the world, and that I might actually have more to learn from someone who disagrees with me than from someone that already sees things the way I do. And so it changed where I went to graduate school, which if you were here last week, I shared a little bit about how formative that was. It changed uh, how I pastor. It changed everything. Like that, that comment changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful to Dr. Reeves. And of course, like e even more importantly, is it wasn't just that he corrected us. Right? I mean, that matters, but I've had a lot of people correct me in my life that I didn't really pay attention to because I didn't really care what they thought or respect what they, you know, their influence in my life. But Dr. Reeves had this long context in my life of care. I knew that he, when he said that, it wasn't because he was trying to prove that he was smarter than us or something like that. I knew that it was because he genuinely loved us and wanted us to learn and wanted us to grow, and he saw this as a real barrier to that. So, so I received his correction in the context of this, this relationship that I had with him as a, as a student to a professor. That's why I say that he is one of the most significant spiritual relationships in my life. And, and I'm sure, like, I could stand up here for the whole day and tell you story after story after story of different people in my life that have made a huge impact on my faith. I'm sure you could, too. We could all, we could fill the whole week with stories of different people who have made a huge impact on us spiritually. And that's because re relationships are really, really important in our lives. They're really powerful. 
So today we're going to talk about relationships, and we're going to talk about the reality that God puts people in our lives so that our faith can grow. God wants us to be in relationship with each other, not just with God, right? And so God puts people in our lives that strengthen our relationship, that help us grow in our faith. So we're going to celebrate that today. We're going to celebrate those relationships that help us know God better, but we're also going to learn how to spot them. Because if, if God puts people in our lives, that means there are people in our lives right now that God has put there to grow our faith, and we want to be able to, to take advantage of that. We want to know which relationships they are so that we can lean in. And all of this is grounded in the reality that God loves us, and God puts those people in our lives so that we can be more whole and have a stronger faith. So we're going to begin this morning by worshiping God, by celebrating this God who loves us enough to bring us together. Would you stand as we begin singing together? Our uh, series that we're in right now is called Five Things God Uses to Grow Your Faith. And so we've been, we started this whole series out by asking, uh, what would it look like if we had that sort of confidence in God that when we meet it in other people, it kind of freaks us out a little bit, right? People who just are completely sure, not only that God exists, uh, but that God is personal, Right? That, that again, God's not just like the energy in the universe or the good vibes or something like that, but, but that God is a, a person and that God loves us, that God is with us, that God is for us. What would, it, what would our lives look like? How would they be different if we had that kind of faith, if we had that kind of confidence in God? How would it change our behavior? How would it change our relationships? How would it change our, our vocations, our occupations? Right? And uh, so in that first week, we saw that faith is really at its core all about relationship. A lot of times we, we end up reducing faith to a, a list of do's and don'ts. We think that in order for God to, to like us, we have to do things. But we saw that that's not actually true, that if you go all the way back to the beginning of scriptures, uh, the original problem was a break in trust. We did not trust God. We acted out of mistrust. And, and the entire rest of the story of scripture has been about God working to reestablish trust between us and God. The whole rest of scripture, and especially what we see Jesus doing when Jesus comes and teaches and then uh, allows himself to be killed on the cross and raised from that, all of that was about God saying, look, you can trust me, right? So, so relationship is the heart of faith, and trust is, is the heart of relationship. Uh, so at the end of that first week, we, we suggested that, that when you talk to people who have that kind of big faith, that amazing faith that you just sort of, sort of marvel at, uh, you find five things in their stories that come up over and over and over again. And they're not, they're not, there's not like a list of them in the Bible or something like that, but it's, it's just, again, when you listen to people who have that kind of big faith, there are five things that, they, that, that at some point in their life keep coming up, and they say, yeah, this is the thing that God really used to grow my faith. Or, man, when this thing happened, or when I met this person, it really helped me trust God more. Right? And so for the rest of the series, we've been exploring each of these. So we started last week with practical teaching. And we saw that in most people's faith journey, there comes this moment when the Bible becomes real to them, when it's not, when it's not a, just a collection of ancient wisdom or a bunch of old stories, but actually they realize that God wants them to be transformed. And, and they begin to, to listen to what God says, and they begin to do it. So the Bible becomes practical for them, right? And when they do that, when they, when they step out in faith and do something that God says to do, their faith grows, right? So this week, we're going to talk about the second thing that God uses to grow our faith, and that's providential relationships, okay? Now, what this means is, again, if you listen to people's faith journeys, you're always going to hear at some point in the story, and then I met them, 
right? And then I met them. Now, this could be that I started dating someone that went to church, right? Or my mom remarried and my stepdad really was really important for us to go to church together. Uh, or it could be like me, like I had this professor in college that really challenged the way I saw stuff, right? Or uh, someone in my neighborhood kept inviting me to a Bible. So whatever, there's always, and then I met fill in the blank. And, and, and when you get further in a journey past that relationship and you look back, you kind of start to marvel. You say, you know, it, it really, it honestly feels like God put that person in my life for a reason. And that's what, it, that's what I mean by providential, right? That, that God actually put them in my life because of the positive effect that they were going to have on my faith. So it, it feels providential. It feels like God was actually trying to draw me closer, to draw me into a deeper relationship, to help me trust more. And one of the ways God did that was by putting this person in my life, arranging it so that I would be in the cubicle next to them or whatever, right? That's, that, you'll hear that over and over and over again. I have so many of those stories in my life. I'm sure that a lot of you are already thinking of, yep, 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 and five or six different people that you can already immediately identify as one of those kinds of providential relationships. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, what are those relationships, and how, how do we identify them, and how do we capitalize on them? Because the opposite is true too, right? Whereas we can all make a list of people who have had a really positive impact on our faith, we probably all also have a list of people who have negatively impacted our faith, right? Like a, a, a text message that you maybe shouldn't have responded to, or a business deal that you really shouldn't have gotten into, uh, a relationship that ended up being really, really harmful, physically, mentally, spiritually, a betrayal from someone that you trusted, maybe like a pastor or someone like that, that, that really, it, it really wrecked you. It really hurt a lot, and it hurt your faith, right? So, so it goes both ways. In fact, I'm willing to bet if you think about your biggest regrets in life, most of them are probably tied to a relationship of some kind. Right? I, I think most of our regrets tend to be relational regrets. And that's because relationships are so powerful. And the reason relationships are so powerful is because we are, at our core, relational beings. We were created to be in relationships. That's, that's, like, that's what we do when you just sort of turn us on and set us loose. Right? We start connecting with other people. That's how God designed us. So that's why relationships are so powerful. They, they, have the, they have the ability to make and break our faith. So we want, to, we want to learn to spot the relationships that God uses to grow our faith so that we can lean into those relationships. And, and, and we want to do that for a couple of reasons. One, because honestly, those, those hurtful relationships, they're not avoidable. Like, I have never discovered a way to just not end up in a relationship of some kind with a toxic person right? Uh, you might just have to work with them, right? Or they might live next door, or they might be in your family, right? I mean, we can't, we can't just like never have those relationships. There, it's inevitable that we're going to be in some of those relationships. So that's why we need to know what the good ones are so that we can really lean into those because they really help us endure those bad ones. Uh, the other reason is that we're not tempted to be good, Right? Like, I, I have never, I've never been, like, you know, scrolling through Facebook and seeing something I didn't like, and I was, like, oh, fired up, and I was, like, mm, and then, like, everything in me was, like, I'm going to leave this snarky comment, and then I just couldn't help myself. I decided not to. Right? Like, that's, that's not how it works. Right? We're not in situations where we feel tempted to be kind or loving or self-controlled. Temptation goes the other direction. 
right? It, we're tempted towards evil. And relationships help us mitigate that if we know them and if we can lean into them. So that's, that's why it's so important for us to capitalize on these relationships that God has brought into our lives. Because this is what God does. God designed us to be relational. God wants us to be in relationships. And God uses relationships to help us have a deeper trust with God. Which means that right now in your life, there are relationships that God has brought into your life to deepen your faith. And if you don't know who they are, well, then you're missing out. So we need to learn to be able to spot these people. We need to be able to spot these relationships because it helps us be much more wise about where we're investing ourselves. Uh, so I want to give you two Bible verses today. And uh, if, you, if you feel so bold, you might even consider memorizing them. They're both pretty short. Uh, but they speak to this relational trajectory of our lives. And they're a great caution to remember that when we relate with other people, we need to be really careful about how we do it. So the first one's in Proverbs 13. Uh, if you grab one of the free Bibles out of the back, this is on page 383. And if you don't own a Bible, feel free to, to keep that one for yourself. Consider it a gift from us. Uh, Proverbs 3.83, now as you are, uh, sorry, <laughs> Proverbs 13, on page 383. Uh, if, you, if you're flipping over there or going there on your smart device or whatever, uh, let, me, let me set up the book of Proverbs for you. This is a collection of wisdom sayings, right? So most of these are really pithy little, uh, you know, one or two liner kind of sayings about what it looks like to live a good life. Now, we are tempted to just sort of treat these as things like, you know, look before you leap, or uh, two in the hand is worth one in the bush, these kinds of things. But, but for the ancient Hebrews, wisdom literature went much deeper than that. When they talked about being wise, uh, they, they understood wisdom as being aligned with the way God created us to be, right? It's, it's, uh, it's the idea that God has a way that everything is meant to go. When God created the world and said it's all very good, that, that's, that's it. It's like when everything is firing on all cylinders and everything is the way it's supposed to be and everything is in perfect, beautiful harmony. Uh, they called it shalom, which we translate peace, right? When humans are aligned with that, when we are aligned with God, connected with God, in right relationship with each other, and when we are participating in God's shalom, the Hebrews called that wise, Right? Uh, now, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness, and a fool is someone who's doing the opposite of that. A fool is someone who's living outside of the way God created us to live. A, a fool is someone who's not contributing to the shalom and to the flourishing of the world. Right? So Proverbs, as you read through the whole book of Proverbs, it says wise people do this, foolish people do this. This is what wisdom looks like, this is what foolishness looks like. So when we read that, this is what we know, right? This is how God created us to be. This is how God created us to live. So I want to look at Proverbs 13.20 here. This proverb says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Now, this is not like CNN breaking news, right? You're not, no one's head was probably like, oh, what? This seems really obvious to us. But, but how often do we do this? Because Proverbs is saying, if you want to be wise, if you want to align yourself with the, the created reality of the world, if you want to get in tune with the way your creator created you to be in the world, well, you need to spend your time with people who are doing that. Because if you don't, you're going to get into trouble.
to be wise, to be aligned with the creative wisdom of God, right? To be who you are created to be. You have to surround yourself with people who are, are helping you get in that direction, right? Now, the other one, go ahead and flip over to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, this is on page uh, 693 in those free Bibles. This is the end of the letter to the Corinthians. There's only like one chapter left after this, right? And if you know anything about the, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, Paul is the guy who planted the church, and then he left, and he's basically trying to do like church management via letters, right? <laughs> and so he keeps getting these reports that the Corinthian church is a complete dumpster fire, and he's trying to write to help them like bring some order to this chaos, because it is, I mean, it is just, it's getting real bad right? And so the whole letter is Paul trying to do damage control. And again, what he's really trying to do is help these Corinthian Christians figure out how to live together and how to, how to be a picture of God's shalom, God's flourishing. And it's hard. It's hard to bring a bunch of people together and, and, and get them all on the same page in that way. And so right here at the end of this chapter, Paul offers them this, again, it's like, it's such a short, pithy little saying, and yet it really sums up for Paul how the Corinthian church can be about bringing order to the chaotic nature of their church. Here's what he says in verse 33. He says, bad company corrupts good character. It's the same thing we heard in Proverbs. Bad company corrupts good character. Again, this is not like hidden wisdom from the top of the mountain. This is a very straightforward statement that you become like who you're around most. So it's, it's worth considering for you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything like that, but just think about, think about your life. Who in your life gets the lion's share of your time and attention? Who in your life has the most access to, to your interior world? Who are you the most real with? Who are you the most authentic with? Whose fingerprints are are on you the most, right? Who's shaping you? And is that wise? Is that a person that you want to be like? If it's not, well, here's what you have, right? Proverbs says, I mean, you know, do what you want, but that's not taking you anywhere good. Paul says, bad company corrupts good character. We are all susceptible to this. And so we have to be really intentional and careful about how we build our lives. Are we truly putting ourselves in environments and situations where we have access to wise people, to people who want the best for it? Now, again, I want to back up. Wise is not the same thing as smart, right? I'm not saying you should give IQ tests to your friends. I've, I've met some real intelligent fools, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not just talking about an intelligence test. We're talking about, are you spending your time with people that are the kind of person that you want to be, right? Are you giving access into your spirit to people that are shaping you to be a part of God's shalom, God's peace, God's flourishing? If you're not, why not? What's keeping you from that? Why wouldn't you want to be wise? Right? Because, again, God has put those people in your life. You shouldn't have to look very far to find them. The reality is probably just that you're not attending to them. Because God wants us to grow. God wants us to be wise. God wants to bring about peace and flourishing for all of us. That's always been the goal from the beginning. 
And so God works with us to bring that about. Now here at Catalyst, we have a couple of spaces that we try to make this happen. Our C groups are that main space, right, where we try to provide, I mean, because this, like, I love this. I love getting together with y'all and worshiping together and discussing scripture together, but this isn't a place that we get to go deep with each other, right? And that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to be. But that's why we created a C group space as this other space where you, you can get around other people that are on the same journey as you. And you can be more real with them, more authentic. And that's why our C groups, we, we tell everyone who comes to Newcomer's Lunch, C groups are not Bible study, right? Because the goal of C group is not that you learn more information, right? We talked about that last week, that information only takes you so far before you've got to start doing. So C groups are that space where we can pour into each other relationally, where we can begin to grow with one another, where we can share our spiritual journeys and receive from other people those spiritual journeys. We try to design C groups as a place to be that. Uh, those of you who are lab volunteers or who volunteer with our synthesis with our teen group, like we are so grateful for you because you get to be that in the lives of our teens and our kids. The way you serve, the way you love, and the way you pour out to them, you're, you get to be a person that in their life, when they share the story of their faith, they say, you know, back when I was a teen, there was this mentor. Right? You get to be that person for them. It's beautiful. As we look to the future of Catalyst, those are big questions we're asking. How do we make it easier to make friends here? How do we make it easier to come into relationship with other people who are on the same journey as you? That's why, like this date night thing, that was like one idea. It's like, well, hey, let's, let's create some more spaces that help relationships be healthier. Because we think relationships are so important. They're so vital to our faith experience. And I think that's, I think that's, a, 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 I think that's something that's hard for us to get because so many of us think of faith primarily as an individual thing. Right? Faith is a thing that I do between me and God. And that, that's true, but faith is also something we do together. And so we want, to, we want to get better at that. We want to make it easier to make friends here. We want to make it easier to have healthy, strong relationships here uh, as, we, as we look to the future. Now, uh, I want also to address the other thing that some of you have been thinking, which is there's been this sort of creeping dread that's been washing over you as I've been talking, and you were probably kind of hoping I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to do it. Because there has been someone in your life, again, maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker, maybe it's someone in your family, but there's been someone that you have, just, you have been sensing that there's been this prompting that you should say something to them, invite them to church or share your spiritual story with them. or so. You've been sensing something and you're afraid that it might be the Holy Spirit telling you to do that, and it's setting you up to be, like have this awkward thing where you just sort of got to like share with them. And as I've been speaking, you've been not so much thinking about the people that have been spiritual influences in your own life, but you've begun to have this dawning horror that God has sent you to be that person in someone else's life. And the weight of that responsibility is sort of sh- uh, you know, settling down on your shoulders, and you're wondering uh, how you could possibly do that. Let me offer some encouragement for you. I think, I think you're right to, to take that seriously. But yeah, that's the reality. As you grow in your faith, God is going to use you in other people's lives to grow their faith. And that feeling of, that, that, that fear that we have of, of being awkward, we don't have to be so afraid of that. Because uh, in relationships especially, when things are awkward, that's actually a wonderful opportunity for us to grow together, right? Uh, when, you, when you experience awkwardness in relationships, that's an, that's an invitation to grow. And so 
the reason that God is inviting you now to take that step, to be a little awkward, to share with them, is because God wants to grow their faith, and God wants to grow your faith. God wants you to see that when you step out, when you choose to be faithful, when you choose to say yes to what God is calling you to do, and then you see that, you know, the world didn't end, and no one thought you were, like, the most awkward person in the world, and whatever, that, that your faith can grow, too, because you chose to obey, like we talked about last week. Uh, many of you know Brenda Spencer already, right? Brenda, hi, right, right here. Uh, you may have heard that we announced this week that she's our new youth director for Synthesis Teen Ministry, so we're very excited about that. Uh, Brenda runs uh, Studio 360. It's a hair, hair salon over here in Rowlett, and she originally came to Catalyst because she had some clients who attended here who kept saying, hey, you got to come to this church. You got to come to this church, and finally, I think uh, maybe she was just like, well, maybe if I go, at least they'll quit bothering me about it, right? And then she came and she fell in love with Catalyst. She began to grow in her faith. She eventually got into a C group and got, I mean, I think your whole C group's all sitting over here, right? Because uh, for the baby dedication. <laughs> uh, she got, got really deeply connected with this C group. And then she decided to start serving. So she and her husband Ronald have been serving in our greeter team. And then she joined our leadership team, became a part of our church board. And so then when Tommy announced that he was stepping down from our teen ministry and we all began talking about what it's going to look like to find uh, a new youth director, she texted me and she was like, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like God has been telling me maybe the next step for me is to, to start leading our teen ministry. And I about did a backflip, and I, I can't do backflips. So <laughs> I didn't more out of reasons of personal safety than anything else. So um, all of that, Brenda's journey, and the, the, the impact that she's going to have on our teens and the impact she's already had on many of us in this congregation happened because someone was not afraid to step out and be a spiritual influence in her life. And I am infinitely grateful for that. And I know many of you could not imagine Catalyst without Brenda and Ronald. And that's, and that's because someone was willing to be faithful to follow God's call on them. Friends, this is what happens. We, we all of this is all of this is grounded on the idea that God is real and that God is with us and that God is personal. And so when you're feeling these promptings, when you're feeling these urgings to, to take a relationship a little bit deeper or to be a little bit more vulnerable or to say something to that person that you don't know why but you just can't get them out of your head, you're not acting alone. You're not even acting first. God has already been working and moving in you. And God has already been acting and moving in this person because God wants their faith to grow and God wants your faith to grow. And so when we choose to be faithful, we're not just, you know, jumping without a parachute. We're stepping out into the path that God has already prepared for us. That's why we can do it with confidence. Now, it's still risky because we still have to trust, but that's exactly how God grows our faith. We step out, we take a risk, we see that God was with us and God was working and our faith grows. We learn to trust God more. Our relationship with God deepens even as our relationships with one another deepen. So I want to invite you to come to the communion table today because this is a table that God invites us to together. We come together to receive communion, to receive the grace that we need to be brought into God's body, to be brought together as a church. This meal reminds us that God is with us and that God loves us and that God is personal. That everything we do begins with what God has done for us. 
This meal celebrates the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples the night before he was killed. When at that meal, he broke bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. After the meal was finished, he took a cup of wine and passed it. And he said, this is my blood. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Take it and drink it. We come to the table today to receive what God has already done for us. We leave from the table with grace to trust God, to be confident, to step out, to risk in relationship because God risked everything for us. You don't have to be a member of Catalyst to receive communion with us today. If you're, if you're willing to trust God, if you're willing to risk, to step out, to be faithful to God's call, then you're welcome to come to the table with us. Uh, before we approach the table, we're going to spend some time in prayer together. I'm going to ask you four questions and give you some space to reflect on them. And uh, this, this space is designed to help you reflect on your relationships. Right? Who are the people that God has put into your life to help grow your faith? Who are the people that God is putting you in their life to help grow their faith? What is the next right thing that God is calling you to do? Can you choose to be faithful in that? So I'm going to lead you through these four questions, and then after we've done them, I'm going to pray for all of us together, and then as you're ready, you're welcome to come forward and receive communion. So here's the first question I want you to consider. Think about the week that brought you here. When in the last week did I lean into wise relationships? Now, when in the last week did I listen to God's prompting in my relationships? When was I aware that God was calling me to step forward and to do, to be in someone else's life? Now think about the week that is ahead of you. When in the next week will I have the opportunity to follow God's promptings? Is there an invitation you need to extend or a prompting that you've been putting off? Now, how can I lean into wise relationships in this next week?
Let's pray together. God, you have gathered us here this morning uh, that we might hear this incredible news. That, that our faith is not only about our relationship with you, but that you have given us the gift of one another that we might know you better as we know one another better. And that you have made it possible for us to grow in our faith because of the people that you put into our lives and because of the people that uh, you have given us to serve. We come to your table this morning remembering that everything we have and everything we do is because you love us. That our relationships are possible, that our love is possible because of your love for us. As we receive these wafers and this grape juice this morning, we pray that they would become a spiritual food. We ask for the grace that we need to risk the deepening of our relationships. We ask for the grace that we need to step out and to risk being that person for those that you have called us to serve. Thank you for loving us enough to put us in places where relationships can happen. Thank you for bringing us to this church together that we could worship together and that we could grow together and that we could be together. Thank you for the gift of relationships. We offer these prayers and we approach your table this morning in the name of your saint. Uh, now as you're going, again, we talked about relationships today. We talked about how important they are. Uh, if there's a particular relationship you'd like to celebrate, you can take one of the circular leaves up here and write that person's name down, or you can be more vague about it if you don't want to call them out in front of people uh, or whatever. But you can either uh, put it on the tree or, again, leave it up here. We'll put them out there. We're trying to use that tree all series to celebrate the, how these five things, we've seen them in our own lives. Uh, so you can do that. But again, I just, want, I just want to challenge you, again, that God is with you and that God has put people in your life to help you grow. And God wants to use you in other people's lives to help them grow. So as you go today, would you just be faithful to do the next right thing, whatever that is, in whatever relationship it is that God is challenging you uh, to do more. Just do that. Trust. Step out in faith, knowing that God has prepared that path for you, and that God is faithful. And see what happens to your faith when you trust and obey. Go in the grace and peace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.